Welcome back to Anti-Anarchist News Corporation. We got another episode for ya. Um, what are we talking about today, Matt? Ah, uh, well, we're kind of, uh, bringing in another thing to light uh, that we feel is kind of uh, another thing that's happening uh, kind of in our at least in America I know um, and I know it's happened in other places but I don't think we've really touched on this subject very much the uh, fluoridation of water I think we might have done an episode about it a long time ago what memory brain is it? Yeah, this is not good for you at all. Um, Hitler used it uh, to like dumb down people, <laughs> basically, so they'd be more more docile. And I don't know. To me, I just felt that. Hey, hey, if we're gonna control populace, it may as well be less controversial or, or fucking, uh, Easier to control, basically. Yeah, and I just I just wanted to bring it to light because it seems to me to be kind of like what it's talking about in the in the prophecies of Revelation, where it talks about wormwood falling from the sky and poisoning the waters. I mean, obviously, this is a symbolic image, yeah. and I think that it's, you know, trying to explain something that, in the last days, the water is going to be, you know, poisoned, because wormwood is poison. So, if wormwood falls from the sky on a star or a rock, you know, or whatever... And poisons the waters of the earth. Obviously, this is a symbolic image. This isn't going to literally happen. Something's going to fall from the sky. And all of a sudden, the waters are going to be, be contaminated with a poison. But we do know that wormwood is a poison. And therefore, fluoridation, going back to what we are talking about, is a poison as well. So it's like, and you have this push everywhere well, to want to well, do this. Well, Florida yeah. is a and Yeah, and that's what they're doing. They're adding fluoride to the water supply all over. I mean, it's like, I think that pretty much every major city in America has got fluoridated water. 
So, yeah. I mean, it's like you look at it and it's like all of the waters are being poisoned intentionally. Well, yeah, in our city, in our, our city is one of the only places that I don't believe has fluoridated water. They've been definitely trying to get it in our city, but that's not the point they were even trying to make. The point is that we're trying to make is that the scripture says that the, the wormwood star falls from the sky and all the waters are poisoned. This is symbolic, I believe, of the intentional fluoridation of water, of the water supply of the sea, of the masses of people. We're not talking about the oceans here. We're talking about the sea, the people. <laughs> and, I mean, I just think that you know, this is just another one of the prophecies that are being fulfilled right now. You know, here in our time, you know. And what is the reasoning for the need for the poisoning of the water? Like mm. you said it yourself just a second ago. The sanctions to be sanctified. Sanctions? Sanctified. The sanctions to be sanctified. The sanctions to be sanctified? Yeah. Yeah? That's what's happening. <laughs> Forget burgers. Well, the funny thing is, is that I don't say the funny necessarily. I'm not gonna laugh at it, but I mean, it is like kind of goes back to uh, you know. I believe the way these major cities vote, they vote for against God. You know, they vote. In my, in my opinion, Democratic vote is a vote for the devil. Indeed. And so it's like if the major cities in America, the like you said, the densely populated populace of people, if the majority of people want to vote for the devil, they want to vote against God, I say they can have their waters poisoned. God's going to say like, okay, I see how it is. You don't want me a part of your society or anything? You don't want to have anything to do with me? I'm just going to let these motherfuckers poison your water with wormwood. Yeah. Lord. Because as far as I'm concerned, you don't deserve to have good water to drink. Uh-huh. And you don't think that like God's this way? Look in the Bible. God's a dick, dude. God's a fucking dick, dude. To his enemies, man. He does not treat his enemies with respect. And you want to vote against God? You want to vote for the devil? God's gonna say, guess what? I see how it is. And while you're and while you're drinking poison water, I'm gonna have him jab you with DNA altering shit. It's a heat of the moment kind of thing, Riley, is what it was. It's just like, oh, fuck, you don't want to harm your friends and family. Now you better get that jab. I heard they had HIV in the 
I'm sure HIV and all kinds of shit is being fucking introduced into their their systems. <laughs> their bodies. <laughs> well, and the, and the thing is, is the play, the pe- people, places that want the fluoride, the fluoridated water, are the same people that want the jabs. Yeah. They want the poisons. They want the HIV. They want... <laughs> They want all the toxic shit. Because why? They're fucking toxic already mentally. They're already mentally toxic. So it's just like, they bring the toxins on, you know? Like, they can't get enough of that wormwood. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, maybe you'll take in enough poison, sin into your life, and mentally deranged thinking, and you'll become better. <laughs> or something. It's like a, a reverse psychology or something. Uh-huh. Once again, I just think that we're here trying to make a difference. And, you know, we're trying to bring ideas of light that are going to help people to see the truth, you know. And that's just what I just feel we're trying to do here on our podcast. A lot of people do a lot of podcasting, but it's like, what the fuck do people podcast about? People Ooh. podcast about food, they podcast about fucking sports, they podcast about uh, celebrities, you know, shit like that. Just a lot of nonsense kind of shit, you know? It's like We're not. trying to segue the headway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think it's positive. Now we're, now we're launching the ANC Church of Christ on our podcast now. Available <laughs> Wednesday and Sunday. Yep. Evening. Yep. Uh-huh. Not that we're promoting uh, Sunday church services or anything. It's just kind of uh, the days that we decided to do it and happen to be the day where a lot of uh, Christians gather in the name of Christ. So we felt like we would kind of incorporate that in with the culture a little bit so they could maybe identify with it, but then kind of let them know that Sunday worship is the day of the sun worship. The day the pagans worship the sun. I don't necessarily think that we want to be celebrating Jesus on a pagan, pagan day, pagan Sun worship day, you know. Yeah, I've heard some stuff about like people saying, "Oh, well, it's because Jesus rose on Sunday from the dead, or something like that." That's why I worship on Sunday, and I'm like, 
But it's also the same day that the pagans worship the sun. Why do we want to... What? What? Well, it's the same day that the pagans worship the sun. Like, why do we want to associate Christ worshiping or going to church on a Sunday when the pagans worship pagan deities on Sunday? My question is, why is the Sabbath on Sunday? I thought the Lord rested on the seventh day. That is the seventh day. Sabbath is the seventh day. Monday is the first day of the week. It is the seventh day. And the seventh day begins at sundown on Friday. What the Sunday? What's that? What is Sunday? Sunday is the first day of the week. Saturday, or the Sabbath, is the seventh day of the week. That's why they're called Seventh-day Adventists. Oh. You see what I'm saying? And the Catholic Church, because they're synchronistic, which means that they try to take truth and combine it with air to create kind of a pseudo kind of belief system, <laughs> which is what I believe Catholicism is, they tried to incorporate Christ, take Christ, which is, in my opinion, he should be, like, worship on the Sabbath, on uh, Saturday. The church, they took it and moved it to Sunday to make it in line with the pagans, so that you take the truth of Jesus and combine it with the falsity of the paganism. Oh. And see, then you get all these Christians who are... You know, worshiping Jesus or attempting to, but they're worshiping him on the wrong day. Christians. Yes, exactly. And which I believe are the same kind of people that talks about when Jesus comes back that says, "Depart from me, I never knew you." And they're going to say, "Oh, but Jesus, we went to church every Sunday and we cast out demons in your name, and and it's just like we 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 were uh, people. All everybody, all our friends and family knew that we we worshipped you. We." Followed you, you know, and just, and you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And he's gonna say, like, I never knew you. Uh-huh. Oh, is this the same kind of there's obviously going to be a large group of people that is going to be identifying as a follower of Jesus, and Jesus is gonna clearly snub them. <laughs> I could get snubbed. I feel like that's what happened to Blake. Because he constantly told me when I talked to him that he was Christian and God was good and all that. Well, yeah, but that's... But I knew he was just saying that to me just because he thought that's where I wanted it. Yeah, exactly. He was just, yeah. Yeah, that could be true too. You know, people could be. But in real not, life, he was not Christian. Yeah, and it doesn't help with the fact that either that people uh, our righteousness is but filthy rags. The Bible says our righteousness is but filthy rags. Everybody is already a wretched sinner. Okay. We're all filthy. We're all defiled with sin. But we're trying to rise above that. You know, we're trying to promote that. And that's really, like, what 
Uh, we're still, we're, I mean, we're still trying to promote, like, to pursue this kind of a path as opposed to just saying, oh, well, I just give up. I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm not going to try to be better. I'm not going to try to overcome or... Because some people look at that, oh, God looks at us as just our righteousness is but filthy rags. Like, all our good deeds, our good works and stuff is really nothing in the to Him. And that's why He cursed mankind. You know, like with like weeds growing up and, you know, in the soil and like God cursed what he created, which is crazy. And something I don't think that like too many Christian pastors want to talk too much about that. (laughs) When man sinned, like God was pissed. That's what I was talking about earlier. It's like God is dirty to his enemies. He will fuck you up. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing with man. Even what he loved and he created, he still cursed it. He cursed the ground with weeds growing up in in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, like weeds grew up in the garden to make more of a problem for man. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, just like God doesn't mess around. You know, so uh, like, God doesn't mess around, dude. With his enemies, and he even calls us. Your righteousness, but filthy rags. There's nothing about what you do that's anything anything good at all. But he's saying at the same time, he's saying like, rise above that. Like, you'll never be good enough. You'll never be as pure and holy as me, but at least try. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to at least say, hey, let's try to be better. Let's not just accept the status quo. Let's don't accept like the culture of Indeed. You know, like, how well, people don't give a fuck, and they got a bad attitude and a chip on their shoulder. It's like, let's rise above that. Let's try to. Let's attempt to, anyway. Indeed. Anarchist Church of Christ Sermon series time Got a special Sermon series For you In light of the Holiday of Shabbat Coming up here Well on Are we anarchist News Corporation Anarchist Church of Christ. Well, that's a very good question. We're both one and the same. We launched the media group outfit, Anarchist News Corporation, and now we're launching a church, Anarchist Church of Christ. We're both. That's why we're doing this sermon series podcast. Whoa. We'll read you some scripture in a minute. Yeah, I want you to get that out if you could. That was the uh, Genesis chapter 4. We brought to you a... Uh... Actually, our message was orientated towards... Uh... 
a prophetic word in the book of Revelation uh, referring to wormwood and how wormwood fell like a star from heaven and contaminated the waters. And now we have some more scriptural what you are reading from today. Uh, let's go with Genesis chapter 4. We're going to be talking about some interesting characters at the beginning of mankind. When Cain murders Abel. Right, at the very beginning, but when you mention Cain, this is a very interesting thing that uh, is mentioned that we talked about in one of our last podcasts, Riley, when we said that there was people before uh, there was people before Adam and Eve on Earth. Oh. But what we were saying is that Adam and Eve were some kind of they were some kind of like new evolved part of man so to speak where uh, like we're talking about Cro-Magnon man, Neanderthal maybe even like a Sasquatch Yeti type uh-huh. beings existed and were of man but then like Cain and Abel and Adam and Eve were some kind of new uh kind of uh, like a like a two point of a computer, you know, you know, you have like a new yeah. version of it, so to yeah. speak. And that's kind of like what I feel like this is, so to speak. And it says here this is in uh, Genesis chapter four, verse fifteen, it says, And the Lord said to him, Therefore whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And what he's saying here is that like Cain took this mark on like he he had a mark on him that like God put on him so that nobody would kill him after he killed his brother like like you said and like, I just think that this bears witness to the fact that there was other people potentially on Earth at the time, or other human beings that were more savage that would have potentially, uh, you know, potentially, here it is. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Who were these other people that God needed to put a mark on Cain? And why is it always these marks? <laughs> mark of the beast. Mark the people who like are the chosen ones of God. They have a mark on their forehead. They have a mark. Cain had a mark. What are these marks always about? You know, it's like everybody's got everybody's marked, I feel like, of some with something. The marks are who you are. They define what side of you're on. Are you on the side of the Lord or are you on the side of 
like the devil because the devil's people have a mark in the last days and Cain had a mark lest anyone finding him should kill him so uh, that implies to me that there were people at that point like because the only other people supposedly were Adam and Eve why would his father and mother kill him why did they did he need to have a mark for them do you see what I'm saying what why did he need the, why did God need to place a mark on Cain after he killed Abel so his parents wouldn't kill him? That doesn't make sense. It's like it's other people. Other this is for other people who didn't know the situation, who don't know Cain, who don't know Adam and Eve. The two point human beings, you know what I you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For them. Cro Magnan man, Neanderthal, Pythiocanthropus, like all these other like part of the evolution of mankind species species yes exactly so on that note let's go into the family of Cain the one who was marked once again it says in 16 then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod east of Eden and Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch, to Enoch was born Irod, Irod begot Mahujael, Mahujael begot Methushael, Methushael begot Lamech. This is where things get interesting. Then Lamech took for himself two wives, and the name of one was Ada, and the name of the second was Zillah. And Ada bore Yabal, and he was the father of all who dwell in tents and have livestock. So now it's starting to define these certain people and like what they were known for, right? Then it says, his brother's name was Yubal. He was the father of all of those who play the harp and the flute. And as for Zillah, Lamech's second wife, if you're following me, she also bore Tubal Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal came was Naamah. We're going to do a sermon series here talking about these four people here because these beings, I believe, correlate and correspond with the ancient gods of all the pagan civilizations that are all in my opinion, incorporate with all the major world religions. The major world religions of this day all have roots back in to these guys right here. Yubal, Yabal, and Tubal-Cain, and Lamech. Essentially what we're seeing here is that these people were the top deities worshipped before the flood. And their legends after the flood lived on. This is what Christianity is all about. It's about understanding this. But they were saved in the flood, right? Hell no, they weren't. They were wiped out. And their system... God... Once again, God is hardcore. We were just talking about that in the last episode. He's hardcore to his enemies. And, like, yes. These people right here, 
Lamech and his sons, these supposedly historical figures in the Bible that existed supposedly, were also worshipped as deities in these religions that God had to wipe out with the flood along with all the crazy shit that these religions were probably a part of creating like genetically altering human beings and animals and shit creating all these crazy mutated fucking species that God had to wipe out too because they had the, their black ops programs just like we got our black ops programs of this day that's why Jesus says it, like it is in the times of Noah that's the time of these times so shall it be in the end and these people right here were the ones who set it all in motion they were the catalysts of the antithesis of Christianity and that's what we're trying to bring to light here in our sermon series. <laughs> Essentially what we have here is that if you're looking at it from a Greek system, this guy Lamech, then Lamech took for himself two wives. This is out of Genesis chapter 4, verse 19. Then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the second was Zillah. And then it talks about his sons that he had with these two women. Yabel, Yubel, and Tubal-Cain. And these were the chief deities of the religions. Essentially what you have, you know, Greek mythology? Are you familiar with the Greek mythology at all? A little bit. Well, you know about in Greek, they worship Zeus, right? Yeah. Zeus was their chief deity. Essentially... Zeus is this Lamech guy. Okay. So Zeus would be Lamech, and then Lamech, or Zeus, had a bunch of sons. Zeus was the father of what would be the god uh, Hermes in Greek mythology. And Hermes, I believe, is this first son that it talks about, Yabul, Herbies. <laughs> Not Hermes. But actually, Hermes is where we get the word hermaphrodite from. Oh. Because a hermaphrodite is actually the Greek god Hermes and the Greek goddess Aphrodite combined. That, that's why it's androgenic, because it represents the, uh, the male in Hermes, because he was male, obviously, and then Aphrodite, which was female, a goddess, you combine those two and they combine the word and it's like dual nature. Yeah. Like tits and dick. Cool. Uh. So, yeah, so you have that and I believe that this this Yabel or Hermes <laughs> if you want to call him is this this god that he's talking about because Hermes is known for the one who uh, one of his many characteristics but chief characteristics are the, the pastoring of the flocks like it says of livestock and tents this is one of the things that he taught people this yabble he was the one who educated people on like farming and agriculture and, and writing and arithmetic 
You see what I'm saying? Like, he was known for all these these certain characteristics. Like, you can see this. Oh, characteristics. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at what these guys are known for, you say, oh, these are good guys, right? Like, they're teaching mankind, like, these things. Teaching them about wisdom and, like... Wisdom But the thing is, is when we understand really what this guy was teaching as well, he was also teaching what was called hermetic philosophy, which is the basis of occultism, which, in my opinion, is Gnosticism and is Luciferian. Uh. So, and and Gnosticism really goes all the way back to Yabal in the Bible here in Genesis and if he is the the Hermes of the Greek mythology then like like he's evil like I'm sorry you know what I mean he's of Cain and so it's like you look at these kind of things and you're like oh this is all good you know, like he's teaching men to pasture flocks and, and agriculture and teaching men how to, you know, mathematics and uh, arithmetic and stuff like that. Oh, like that's, that's all really good. He's educating the people. But really this is, a, is like a double sword type thing here, you know, <laughs> two-edged sword because it's like it's educating people, but he's not educating people in the Lord. He's educating people to become humanists. Because that's what hermetic philosophy is all about. That's why it's called hermetic. It's named after Hermes. Hermes, hermetic. Human. What's that? Human. Yeah. And so you have... See, it's almost like a fire... A, a fire coming down from heaven. Like Prometheus was known as like the one who brought fire down from heaven. You know what I mean? He stole fire from heaven or whatever. It's like knowledge. It's like he wanted knowledge, but he wanted to liberate men into humanism. To not be connected to God, but to be all like a narcissist, all about yourself and like what you can accomplish. This is really what Yabel was teaching, I believe. You see what I'm saying? He was teaching this this path ultimately there was things that he was teaching that were good that were good for men to cultivate and be able to pasture flocks and like you know have knowledge of how to write messages you know to, that's where we get texting I mean texting was like essentially was you know alphabet uh, letters that came from him ultimately he was the person who first brought that to life was Exactly. Well, and see, that was the thing. See, originally, like, he taught hieroglyphics, I believe. It was almost like a hieroglyphic language because originally letters, arithmetic, you know, sentences and stuff came from hieroglyphics where it's like they'd actually draw images for each word. It'd be like a, you know, like a beautiful design, you know what I mean, or work of art, you know, but then mankind became lazy it's almost like mankind evolved to a degree at this point, you know, from like a savage barbarian but and then devolved back to it. Well, it's like there were three steps forward and two steps back. Exactly. And, and that's, just, that's kind of like the way things work, I feel like, in life itself. You go two steps forward, three steps forward, and two steps back, you know, whatever. You know, it's, just, it's kind of the... 
or whatever, however you want to look at it. Everybody's got different kind of ratio in their it life. It just happened. Well, it, and this is essentially a microcosm of the macrocosm. You know, essentially what we're looking at. Mankind as a whole, they evolved to this point and to a certain degree. It's like a golden age. This is also where we get the word golden age from. This time before the flood, where these guys existed, was the golden age, apparently. And so, you know, but the fact of the matter is what we're trying to identify is these his supposed historical figures as, like, very important. So, God, See, the thing is, is like when we look at this time period when these guys existed too, was a time where I believe the the pyramids and everything were actually created. The pyramids in Egypt and like yeah. all over the world, these areas were all part of the religion that was being taught by these guys. Well, that makes teaching us on the pyramids is supposed to line up because they have to keep they want to keep this under wraps that like the pyramids and all this that there was this prehistoric civilization before the flood it was wiped out by God and we just they kind of want to kind of brush that aside and be like, uh-huh. we don't want the populace to know about this yeah. you know so and justifiably so I mean because I think that these guys that we're talking about here that we're shedding light on are, you know, they're, they're some bad guys actually, you know, and, and when we actually continue to keep talking a little bit more about these guys, cause we talked a little bit about Yabel, what he was known for, uh, reading, writing, arithmetic, pasturing the flocks, um, teaching men the, the occult hermetic philosophy, um, humanism. <laughs> but then we have this other guy, his brother, Yubal, it says here. And Yubal was the one who, like, taught men music. <laughs> and, like, to me, that seems like, oh, like, we love music. But little do we know that music was actually from these guys. Like, one of these guys, like, was the one. And, and who was the one who, t- who played the flute and, like, taught men music? It was Apollo. If we're looking at Greek mythology, Apollo, son of Zeus, just like Hermes was the son of Zeus and was known for this characteristic. Apollo was known for the music and the flute. Like, it's all correlating, you see. Like, these historical figures with mythology. So, mythology. Myth. This is a myth. No, it has no... Once again... This has no historical bearing, <laughs> you know, just like the pyramids. Like, oh, no, this is this was created by, you know, slaves. Slaves create, build the pyramids. Yeah, 
I don't know. I don't know about that. I think it was more like this was created by an advanced civilization, kind of like we are right now, that erected these pyramids uh-huh. in honor of their hermetic religion that was like originally started off by by Yabel. supplied energy to the people at that time or something, you know, and it was gold-plated, you know, and everything, and it just, and it's just like, it might have been, it might have been for all we know. The fact of the matter is, is it was something that, in my opinion, was, it was interconnected to a whole. It was a sign because you see these pyramids all over the world that were erected, I believe, at this time. You know, and so that's like, and I believe this was a system of worship that was interconnected with these historical figures. These historical figures were the the groundbreakers for this kind of new world order, you might say, at that time, where the whole world was kind of like all pyramids and same kind of philosophy, religious-wise. Some people say that the headquarters was Atlantis, the island of Atlantis, too, which is also talked about by, um, you know, writers like Homer. Atlantis is a huge, I guess you could say, controversy. It's very controversial. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Like, this is very controversial and, like, but justifiably so, because if we are, if there's any bearing of truth to what we're saying, then there's going to be controversy to it, you know. And people are going to, at this type of level, it's going to try to be suppressed. But this is really what I feel that people need to be educated on, like when it comes to the Bible. This is, like, in my opinion, really interesting stuff that the Bible has to bring to the table that I feel like we should understand, particularly these guys. And Sunday, going back to Yabel, the guy who, like I said, was the one who played the flute and taught men string how to play stringed instruments and stuff, basically how to make music and stuff. Apollo, the Greek god Apollo, like this, this to me is, I don't know, man, it's... What's going on? Uh, yeah, I just think that. Yeah, it's just the situation with him, like Apollo. 
correlating. To what? Well, the point to the fact that these, like, there's a there's a connection. To what? To the scriptures. Huh? <laughs> I knew you were doing something, dude. Man, I knew you were getting ready to do something. I was like, I was like, what do you need to get up? Mm-hmm. It's throwing me off. So. Talk a little bit about these guys. I think we need to change it up. More less. Well, these these guys that are basically what we're trying to say is that these guys are responsible for uh, influencing the world. I believe, like at that time, before the flood, and. We're identifying supposed mythological figures as historical figures in the Bible. And trying to establish the correlation. And I guess we'll like talk about the last brother, Tubal Cain. Who was the one who taught men how to forge bronze and iron. Mm-hmm. Tubal Cain was identified let's see I think in Greek mythology he was identified as Vulcan okay or was it um, no it was Hephaestus Hephaestus was his name in in the Greek mythology, Vulcan was his name in uh, the Roman mythology. Yeah, it was Hephaestus. But once again, another son of Zeus or Lamech. And I also believe that this that he was a. Uh, it says that. in his name Vulcan in in uh, Roman mythology he was disfigured the god who taught metallurgy or the working of the craft of smithery with the bronze and iron it says that he was disfigured so I would imagine that that would have been true for Hephaestus in Greek as well that he would have been kind of a disfigured looking person as well. I don't know, maybe not. But this is one of the chief deities. Like, I mean, these guys like Apollo, Hephaestus, uh, Hermes, Zeus are all the chief deities of the mythologies you know of the pagan world 
could it be that the pagan world system is all derived from historic these historical figures that we just talked about? Anyway. That's what we're trying to like ponder right now. We're trying to look into this, and we're gonna kind of look a little more into each one of these figures in the next couple sermon series episodes. Welcome to our post coverage peacock. Paranormal or Paranormal Peacock post coverage? <laughs> Say that ten times. <laughs> our Sunday podcasts are spiritual connection episode. <laughs> episode. I like that. Very apropos. <laughs> yeah, so we were outside. Uh, in between sets and uh, having a smoke rather was having a smoke and I've never come outside while you have the cigarette <laughs> you smoke and I don't know it's, it's pretty nice out so I decided to go out because this is like one of the nicest days we've had for podcasting and so I like went outside and it was actually the second cigarette that you had in between, because we did like a cigarette for the first one we did, and then the second one we did, and now we're on the third one. So it was during the second cigarette in between sets that I went out and noticed the peacock feather. Down there, it was just like intermingle with a bunch of leaves and like in a corner right next to me uh-huh. you thing you fell off a hat or, or some kind of, or some kind of purse or or a yeah. dress or something like that yeah. but the fact that it like flew all the way landed there yeah landed right there when I never go outside like to have when you smoke like this is the first time I've like ever I think ever come out to hang out with you or you smoke cigarettes I too but it granted it was the fact that it was really nice outside that's why I came out I'll probably be coming out more with you when you have your smokes now that it's nicer the weather's nicer you know we're like in summer type yeah weather here But the fact of the matter for me is that the peacock feather has like a very like uh, esoteric occult significance. And I kind of want to talk about that a little bit actually. In what way? Well, in alchemy, and this also correlates, by the way, with NBC, the major station for TV one of the major primetime stations on TV is NBC there's CBS 
ABC and then NBC and then Fox, which is Fox is also connected to Fox News as well, which I think is all owned by Murdoch. Murdoch. Whatever his name is, like uh, that. What is his name? Like Adolf Rupert or like something like that. It's something along those lines. He's like another Hitler type character. Like just powerful individual. He's just not political. Rupert Murdoch, that's his name. People like him and like Well he's the king of the earth, Riley. Well I mean to take advantage of people just seems not right. I'm sure he's taking advantage of a lot of people, but that's besides the point. Let's get back to the point. We're, we're talking about the peacock feather. Uh-huh. Going back to that. Peacock feather arose... Peacock feather is connected with NBC. They use the peacock feather as a symbol. The peacock symbol has an esoteric occult significance in alchemy. It's really It's a paranormal kind of thing. And it's also potentially symbolic in a way too because when we understand the peacock feather's significance it, right before the uh, the base metal transmutates into gold it exemplifies a color that resembles like a spectrum of that sort it's been said to be like a peacock's feathers or like a uh, like a rainbow or like all the colors kind of of the spectrum, like, emanate themselves in the changing from the base metal into the philosophical gold. And so it's like, is the peacock feather a symbol of you or I transmutating into philosophical gold? Because to me, yes, it's like, it's like a symbol of transformation into like a higher diviner. Yes, well, yes, exactly. Transcend gold. Yes, and that to me is a sign of it. It's uh-huh. like a, it's like a physical manifestation of that coming into be, coming to fruition. It's so random. It's too random. It's too... It's too random. Too beyond coincidence. It's too weird. Yeah, and this is why I believe NBC uses that symbol. Because, and I also believe, this is crazy, this is even crazier, going into a philosophical or, like, psychological perspective, uh, this... The symbol 
is like basically it's like an archetypal symbol that everybody understands as like something that's burgeoning into beauty or into philosophical gold. That's what alchemy was all about. It was about the transmutating the base metal into the gold. It's taking something like animal, and this is the symbol of the Sphinx, going back to the pyramids, the symbol of the Sphinx it's the man in the animal, the man coming out of the animal. It's the same kind of symbol as the peacock feather. It's like the man transmutating right before he is like, you know, like a god, so to speak. And that's a symbol NBC, I believe, uses. They use the peacock feathers. Or they did. I don't even know if they're even using that anymore. They always had in the... In the past, they've always used that. cartoonish, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is kind of like a cartoonish kind of a logo, but at the same time, it's the peacock feather, and we know in the occult what the peacock means. The peacock is, or it's like, the peacock is the, the symbol of that person entering illumination, where it's, it's like they're right on the cusp of like illumination, the gold, the philosophical stone, the philosopher's stone, the base metal in the gold, philosophical gold. It's also called the rubido, the, ru the ruby, it's red. And this is also like when I believe like when you get into this process, they talk about this in alchemy because we are crucibles. Our bodies are crucibles that can be transmutated from base metal, from animal, into higher diviner. And they talk about this, I believe. They talk about like at the beginning of the process, it's you're the, you're the raven, you're black, the prima materia, it's called. Latin it's the prima materia and it's the symbol of it is the, the the raven the blackbird and that's like the beginning you're like in the infant stages you're not at the peacock yet you're a dark bird you're black and also another symbol of the philosophical gold is the dove white the symbol of the white you know like pure trans transmutated into purity but it starts off black as the raven and I believe like when you're personally in this like process you might see like a raven dead like I believe like I seen like when I believe I entered this kind of process like I saw like a dead raven like right outside my window on the road and I was like it's a symbol of like the raven like the the crow was like killed, like dead in the road. There's like, and it's the same thing as this, the peacock feather. What do you think about that? Do you think there's, do you think this is, has any relevancy? I think 
to my speculation. And release. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah, because I don't really know. You know what I mean? I just feel like there's like stuff like this is like what I feel like similar. It's similar to that same kind of I was like, because it's like you want to blog. Yeah, it's like you want to see, but you want to see like the dead, the Raven dead. It's because the Raven is dead. Now you're like you're moving on to like to that, you know, to the peacock. You're, you know, you're in that phase. You know, I don't know. Dead. You see, you might see a lot of dead ravens laying in the road or something when you're like psychologically in that spiritually psychologically in that kind of uh, you know like process in your life or something it might manifest like that where it's like like this is a sign of good like we're in a good spot finding something like that is like dude like okay maybe the the prize is it worth anything but the, the chances of that happening are like winning the lottery. Kind of they are that just something like a peacock feather would just a be A peacock where nowhere near farmland. Uh-uh. Or any peacocks around here. Yeah. I mean, Grant, like you said, the logical explanation would be, you know, from somebody's clothes or garments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to, for it to just be like in a pile of leaves, it just seems to me like it, it just blew in with the leaves. Like it was just yeah. like, it was supposed to land, you know, for us to see as a sign of. Mm-hmm. Um, something positive especially when you understand the significance of it and we've addressed even an example of something major in our culture and society that identifies with the, that symbol itself because they know that it's good <laughs> it's a good symbol and they're probably trying to like use it to evoke that power of like hey we're on we're like transmutating in the gold here right now and that's what they've been dude NBC has been they've made bank dude <laughs> they are a philosophical gold dude using the peacock symbol and also CBS by the way uses the all seeing eye oh yeah yeah. It's an eye. Make no mistake about it. And that also is a symbol as well. The all-seeing eye. Uh-huh. Which is an occult symbol. It goes back to the eye of Horus. Is really what it goes back to. Back in Egypt. Someone is bound to know what's up. Oh, they know. And they use these symbols to... Like... As a part of their... I don't even know what you call it. Their 
language, their esoteric language they use. I'm thinking about this guy, Papa Duck. He's a rapper. Okay. But he's a YouTuber, too. About the all-seeing eye? And where else? Eye of Horus? I forget. <laughs> You're not reading your teleprompter, Riley. Fuck it. It's Start reading the teleprompter that isn't there, damn it. <laughs> and break them too. <laughs> All I'm saying is that if CBS is using an all-seeing eye of Horus as their logo, so to speak, it's like a modern-day form, like we're talking about with uh, language. Uh-huh. That if, if, like, this... What we're saying in the last episode is that, like, the language has, like, gone from hieroglyphics to just, like, nothing. To, like, a little letter. Uh-huh. What once was an A was, like, some beautiful, you know, hieroglyphic. You know what uh-huh. I mean? That was designed with, like, an art- artistry, you know? Now it's just, like, yeah, It's just a s- swivel, you know, and it's done. Uh-huh. <laughs> quicker. It's more efficient. Yeah, and I like this song. So, the question becomes, the peacock feather, does it have any significance? I think it does, in the sense there is a peacock feather, and we don't have peacocks anywhere nearby. Understanding this, then if that's see the thing is is like 
like you said, the odds of that happening are slim to none. And then, therefore, you have to look into the, the reasonings why that might occur. Is it a random occurrence? Or does it have a significance? See, it's like, you know, the people would, like, just look at that and say, like, well, well, hey, I think the random occurrence can have significance. Good. A random occurrence in itself. You said or. Well, because there are pe- people are just going to think different different ideas, you know, about it, you know. It's a random occurrence or it has significance, you know. The coincidence has significance. Oh, yeah, for And so that's kind of like what... And then I'm taking it to the next step of, okay, well, if there is some kind of significance behind it, then what would a significance be? And then I'm looking at the meaning of the peacock feather as an archetypal symbol that is embedded in the collective unconscious of man. And man really knows what the peacock feather represents. It represents somebody burgeoning into the philosophical gold. It's actually not even a bad name for some. What? The peacock feather. Uh-uh. Not at all, yeah. It's good. Yeah, I think it's I think it's totally positive, you know, when you understand what it means and the odds of something like that happening. And it looks really cool right next to the picture of your son here on the set. <laughs> so I guess people will be the judge. It's different. We don't get too into the paranormal. We don't really like to delve too much into that. Yeah. Yeah. And. But I think that this was like actually an occurrence. Of sort of paranormal kind of. Behavior or. Something like that. Next thing you know, we'll be doing like a paranormal show, paranormal ANC episode. A Mephistopheles. <laughs> a Mephistopheles. A Faustian bargain. 